Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Good Health Cafe. I hope you've got your warm drink in hand. My guest today is Ms. Christy Van Horn. Christy is based in upstate New York. She's a public health consultant and the founder of How to Talk to Your Doctor. Today, Christy and I discuss tips on how to talk to your doctor, advocacy, and her upcoming course on health disparities. She even shares a crazy experience she had when visiting a doctor. Let's get to the episode. Hi, Christy. Welcome to the Good Health Cafe. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me, Nikita. It's it's really great to be here. Could you please introduce yourself for the audience? Of course. My name is Christy Van Horn. I am a public health consultant, and I am also founder of How to Talk to Your Doctor, which is a project I call, I refer to it as a sister project um, of my consulting that focuses on health literacy uh, to improve the doctor-patient relationship through a blog, virtual workshops for healthcare professionals, and also patients. And also I try to um, boost my message and messages on social media as well. Fantastic. Can you tell us a little bit about why you started How to Talk to Your Doctor? In all honesty, I started it as um, a portfolio piece for my consulting. Uh, because I was so interested in these health disparities and health literacy, and I needed a portfolio piece for consulting. So, um, you know, when clients come to me for instructional design work or training or curriculum development, uh, it's, it's nice to have something that I didn't develop for a different organization. But as I started to create it, uh, and started to, you know, share what I was doing with other professionals, professionals and uh, folks that I had worked with in the past, they were like, Christy, no, like you should actually, you know, do something with this. Um, <clears throat> so long story short, I, I did. Uh, it took a while. I was already providing the workshops before I found it, how to talk to your doctor properly. Uh, but a little bit of a fun fact howtotalktoyourdoctor.com was available and it only cost $14. <laughs> So I don't know if that tells us that there's a problem in society or that I just got lucky. <laughs> maybe you got, I think it's both. I think you got lucky yeah. and maybe there's a problem. <laughs> I love the name. I love the idea. And I think that people do have challenges on how to talk to their doctor. Yes, absolutely. And two, I think bridging the gap for a lot of healthcare professionals as well. Uh, the example I like to use is we... We focus a lot on educating people about specific conditions, right? Say diabetes, or I used to be a reproductive health educator, uh, cancer. But then I, there's a gap between having that knowledge about your condition and how to talk to your doctor about that condition. So that's where I hope to bridge this gap, um, not just for patients, but also for the folks out there that the healthcare professionals that can help to work with the community members that they are, are seeing and working with every day um, to take it just a tiny bit further to help them to plan for their appointments and to really think through uh, what patients need to know once they get inside that doctor's office. How has the response been from doctors? Honestly, um, I love that you ask this. So I've had inc 
incredible feedback from some. Um, Dr. Melissa Holmes has become a, she is the founder of an organization called Girlology, um, which works and she's an OBGYN and she co-founded it with a pediatrician. And this organization really focuses on puberty and um, ending stigma around periods for young girls. And the reason that I bring up her as an example is someday I want to be where she is with girlology with how to talk to your doctor. Um, and she, she continues to remind me that I've only been doing this for a year and she's 12 years in, (laughs) I'm not the most patient person. Um, but she's been such a great mentor to me. And she reached out to me almost immediately when I started how to talk to your doctor and introduced herself And, you know, she's been on the podcast that I co-host. I've been a guest on her. They have a IGTV or not, not even IG. They have like an actual TV station uh, for Girlology. It's super cool. Um, Yeah. So we've been working together and she is just one example of the incredible providers that have, that I've met through this process. Um, There are some that, you know, give a little bit of pushback, but overall it's been, it's been very positive because as, as I would, I I guess I would refer to them as my cheerleaders would say it's in the doctor's benefit for the patient to be prepared and for the patient to know and understand their condition and what questions to ask and all of those things that I teach people to do. So, yeah. <laughs> I know you do. And I as, a, <laughs> as a patient myself, yeah. <laughs> the Good Health Cafe, I definitely agree. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, Christy, what are your top tips then on how to talk to your doctor? So, I think, you know, when I, I, I like to start with the basics, and I think that that includes two primary things. The first is expectations, like set those expectations for what you will get from your doctor's appointment. If you haven't seen a doctor in a long time and you have multiple problems and you go to your doctor's appointment thinking that your doctor can probably address all of those problems, it's probably not realistic. So what happens in those circumstances is that you feel like you didn't get the care you deserved. The doctor it doesn't help the doctor because they have such a limited amount of time with the patient. And it's just setting those expectations for yourself can make the experience that much better. So just a couple of quick statistics, your doctor will redirect you. And to us, that feels like sometimes we're being cut off, right? Mm -hmm. So you start, your doctor says, what brings you in today? And then you start to talk and typically in less than 23 seconds, your doctor will redirect you to where they think you're going. The other statistic is that you only have eight to 12 minutes with your doctor. So really setting those expectations about what you want from your appointment and you know, just really thinking through what is my top priority when I go in? Another way that I try to get people to think about it, if if your top priority would be the thing that keeps you up at night, what are you most worried about? And then make another appointment when you're with your doctor and say, you know, there's other things I need to chat with you about. If you don't have time today, like, what do you recommend us doing? So have that conversation with them. 
The That's part one. So expectations is so key. Part two is preparation. This go, really goes hand in hand with the expectations, right? So again, the top priority. And then also what questions you have around that top priority. Um, and even think about writing a, a somewhat of a, an elevator speech. So write it down. What my, what my, what my top concern is and the questions that I have around it and actually practice saying it. And the reason that I say that is it sounds ridiculous, but remember those 23 seconds, (laughs) you only have 23 seconds to get your point across. Um, so Practicing what you want to say and thinking about what you want to say beforehand, super helpful. So whether you take somebody with you to your appointment or whether you just write it down, if you have to go by yourself, can be super helpful. Um, and, And then be specific about what you want from the appointment too. So are you going in because you're looking for a diagnosis? Are you going in because you need or think, you know, there's a new medication that could possibly be helping you? Uh, are you looking for a referral to a specialist? What do you want from the appointment? So really think through all of these things and also what symptoms you're experiencing. So how long have they been going on? What's uh, what's your biggest concern? Uh, what hurts? What makes it better? What makes it worse. Um, so yeah, all of those things can be helpful when you're planning for your doctor's visits. Thank you. Of course. So I know that you're also just a big advocate in general and listeners can't see that you have RBG behind you. (laughs) (laughs) She has become a staple in my, I actually, I get comments now that she can't move. So (laughs) Yes, I am a, an advocate at heart and um, in work and outside of work. So. so what are your top advocacy tips in general? In general? Well, I think I'll start within the doctor's office, right? My 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 adv- advocacy tips in the doctor's office would be always, always, always. And this is one of my biggest tips is to trust yourself. Um, and I think women... And especially, you know, black people and people of color really need to hear this. Trust yourself. If you go to a doctor or you go to an urgent care or an emergency room and you feel dismissed, go to another one. And I like, especially if you feel like something is severely wrong, like trust that something's wrong because we know our bodies best. I like to say doctors are experts in medicine. We are experts in our bodies and our, our experiences. We know when something's wrong with us, right? So trust yourself, especially people from marginalized groups, because we're more likely and people of color are more likely to be dismissed. Um, the other thing that inside the doctor doctor's office that can be really challenging is to remain calm and to be patient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that can be a challenge when we feel like we're being ignored or dismissed. And if you do feel those things, again, if you can try to find another doctor that will listen to you and, and you know, just listen to your lived experiences and and what you're experiencing. Um, And the other is, you know, just remind your doctor that you're human. Sometimes it's 
And I don't blame doctors for this. I want to be really clear. I like working with doctors as, as a partner. And I, I want in my lifetime, hopefully we start to see a paradigm shift where the doctor patient relationship is no longer um, seen as, you know, this authoritative figure, but we are partners in the care that we deserve, or we receive. Um, and I think just saying to a doctor, this is one of my favorite lines to teach people is it took a lot for me to be here today. And I want to make sure that blank, I want to make sure that I get my questions answered. I want to make sure that I understand what you're saying. Just reminding them that it took a lot for you to get to the doctor's office because there's no doubt in my mind it did mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> all of us, all of us, like it takes time. It takes, you know, it can be, no matter what it is, it takes a lot for us to get there. So just remind them that you also have a lot going on. You understand that they do, but you do too. Yeah. So I think those would be my top advocacy tips, tips for your doctor, for your doctor's office. And I'm thinking you, okay. So Several things you said made me think of other things. <laughs> hmm. And so one of them was, you know, you say, if you go to like an emergency room and you don't get the re- answer there, go somewhere else. And within the last week, I just read an article. I think it was a hospital in Missouri where a guy went to the hospital three times. And on the third time when he and his wife were leaving so they can go somewhere else because they had been brushed off, uh-huh. he dropped dead in the parking lot. <gasps> yeah. Twice he went, he told them his issues. They're like, oh, it's not a big deal. It's like not not anything. And then the last time, that was it. And it's really frustrating. So yeah, I totally agree. If <laughs> go somewhere else. Yeah. If you've, you know, you're not getting the answers you need at the place you are. And even just recognizing though that that's easier said than done. That is it is absolutely car, right. And yep. it didn't take you Abs- hours to get to the first absolutely. place you showed up at. <laughs> and then you, you think about all of the people that live in rural areas mm-hmm. and don't even have access to there's only one hospital. So right. where else would they go? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um I do not take any <laughs> of oh, that. Yeah. Um, you know, I I I want to say t- that I hope that telehealth <laughs> will help this. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I see that as one silver lining possibly coming from COVID is that I know uh, about a month ago, I was on a webinar that was talking about policy around telehealth. Um, we have a lot of work to do. There's so many, you know, protocols in place that make it challenging to get telehealth services um, currently, but I think because of COVID, we're going to see more and more advocacy around telehealth services. And it's not perfect for everything, no question about it. But for people in rural areas, it could be a really huge step in the right direction to get for chronic care conditions um, and and management. Uh, There could be a lot of positives that can come from it, especially for people that don't have the resources. to get the care that they need. Um, And also just going back to the health equity piece, you know, the digital divide that we have to think about when we, when we're telling people, you know, 
to call in with telehealth, but there's some incredible projects going on um, at libraries in the country where people can go to a kiosk and, and go to a, a doctor's appointment at the library. I mean, th- we have to be innovative when we think about health equity and it is happening. So that's exciting. Um, I think there are, there are a few good things that will come from COVID and I'm hoping that that's one of them. Yeah, I agree. I have high hopes for telehealth too. And I also think of it from the point of view of, you know, you said it takes a lot. It took a lot for me to be here. And Mm. it really truly does take a lot for people to be there, especially sometimes if you had to call off of work and you, you know, if you don't go to work, you don't get paid and then you go and it's like two, three hours before they finally call you. And you lost money while you were waiting. Absolutely. So at least with telehealth, my hope is, well, at least you can still be on your shift. And then, you know, when your phone rings, then you step out. And so you haven't lost a whole half day. Exactly. And as you mentioned too, the transportation issues, yeah. um, whether you live in a city or you live in a rural area, transportation's always, always a problem. So absolutely. I, I do think, again, I, I want to just, you know, but telehealth is not for everything, but there are many ways that it, it could really help a lot of people. Mm-hmm. For sure. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. In the next five to 10 years, we're going to see a big shift. Hopefully sooner. I know. <laughs> I'm being realistic. You should. <laughs> well, That's this, important. I know. On this webinar that I was on, they said that there were 14 bills up, I think, for the House around telehealth, but they actually thought that none of them would pass. But they also mentioned that there had never been that many bills around telehealth ever presented before. So even the fact that they're there and, you know, legislators are, and our elected officials are having these conversations is such a huge step. So, and it, uh, going back to the advocacy, let your elected officials know that this matters to you. Mm-hmm. So okay. that'll be my, I'll stop talking about advocacy now. <laughs> We're just getting started. <laughs> so you gave me your, your advocacy tips for, for health, and now you've expanded and you're saying writing letters to your elected officials is another good way to be an advocate. Absolutely. Any other thoughts? <laughs> um, I think with advocacy, people can feel intimidated. Yeah. Um, understandably. I didn't, I didn't you know, when I first started, I actually was doing a lot of um, advocacy for my job. So I was going to Albany, I'm in New York State, and I was going to DC with youth um, to talk about comprehensive sex ed. That was like my first introduction. Um, And also I did a lot for HIV and AIDS um, research and funding. But those were my first like, you know, dipping your toe into the advocacy world. So I feel lucky that I kind of had more of a formal introduction and it was a part of my job and uh, into that world. And I do understand that it's intimidating, but um, there are a lot of resources online that will, you know, you can find letters about almost any topic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just if you are, you know, trying to talk about a new topic, say telehealth, but just look, Google, Google it, Mm -hmm. and then just reword things and send it to your legislators. So it doesn't have to be intimidating. You can email them. Um, 
There are also a lot of, you can find online, um, and I help people sometimes when I'm advocating for something, I'll write something like what you should say if you call your legislator's office. It's really important if you're calling your own legislators that you tell them that you live in their district. <laughs> I know that sounds ridiculous, but like give them your zip code, say, you know, you're my elected official and I want you to know that this is important to me. And then ask the staffer how they are going to handle this situation. And that's all you pretty much have to say. They'll respond to you. They'll either say, well, he feels this way on it, or they haven't talked much about it, or they'll let you know, but it doesn't have to be intimidating. You're not calling the actual legislator. You're, you're calling their staffers right? <laughs> who are like typically college age students. Um, <laughs> so um, I think and it's baby steps. Just try whatever you feel comfortable with. If you're comfortable on social media, tweet, tweet at them and let them know that, um, that you're passionate or you're, you're, you know, an issue matters to you. So, yeah. How do you have any examples of you having to advocate for yourself in healthcare for like you or a family member? And how did that go? Ooh, um, yes, I do. Um, it's actually a very long story, but I'm going to tell part of the story. Um, I have, <laughs> I think I have hip bursitis, okay. um, but it's taken me a very long time to come to that diagnosis. So I think it was like August of 2018, I started to get extremely bad pain in my hip and lower back, um, on my left side. And I went to the doctor and they started with x-rays because if you know, I'm sure a lot of people out there know that to, it's a whole process with the insurance companies, right? So I have to get x-rays before they can do this. So I got the x-rays and it showed that I had, um, I was told I had scoliosis and here I am like 40 years old being told I have scoliosis. I'm like, okay. And I Googled it and I was like, okay, so I guess some older people get scoliosis. I, I don't know. So I went to a specialist. Now this is the lesson learned everybody. I went to a specialist that had five, over 50 five star reviews. I thought this man was going to be like, I don't even like just walking in on clouds and like the best experience, medical experience I've ever had in my life. It was honestly one of the worst. So I always tell people to take what you read online with a grain of salt. Um, and I, I have a follow-up to this. that will make you scream anyway. So I go in for my appointment. I take my husband with me, which is something that I, you know, encourage people to do, especially if it's a new diagnosis and you're, yeah, you're struggling. Just take somebody with you for multiple reasons, you know, the support, like the extra set of ears, all of those things. So I, so I, I took my husband in with me and the, the, the specialist looks at my x-ray and he's like, you don't have scoliosis. And I was like, okay. I didn't I think I did. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a doctor, but he's like, you have a very, I have a very tiny bend at the top of my, my spine, but it's super, it's not, 
like you can't define it as scoliosis. So then the, so he does a like quick exam and then we go into his like actual proper office. Most of the time he was talking to my husband Mm -hmm. and I asked him, you know, like, could you please talk to me? Um, And then he sits us down at his desk. He gives us his book that he wrote and proceeds to tell me that everyone has back pain. <laughs> like, I'm like, thank you. Okay. Now you're, he has talked to my husband more than me. He has really dismissed me at this point. I'm like, this isn't typical back pain. I wouldn't be at a specialist for like, you know, oh, I hurt my back. Like I can't move. Um, so, <laughs> so he gives me a top, like these five tips of things to do. And the only thing the man did that actually helped me was he gave me a, a script to get an MRI. Mm-hmm. So long story short, I got the MRI, but I never went back to his office. And I am not kidding you. This is crazy. A week later, my friend who was actually in an advocacy group that I belong to, and it's primarily women, she she went in and she said, I just saw the worst specialist of my life. He talked to my husband the whole time and asked my husband if he thought that um, some like Viagra would help or it, he, he literally asked her husband, like, do you think sex would help her? Wow. <laughs> to overcome her pain. I was, why like, would the husband even know the answer to that question? He's, not Oh my gosh, either. So horrible. I mean, like, <laughs> and I'm, I'm doing a really bad job of like <laughs> explaining this, but it was so, and I was like, I can't believe we just saw the same doctor within the same week. If he had said that to me, Oh my God, <laughs> she's feisty too, but I would have lost it. If, if, <laughs> He's like, let me give your wife a script for sex to like, I would have lost it. And again, this is the doctor with the 55 star reviews. Anyway, um, I have seen a number of specialists since then. I have a diagnosis of hip bursitis when I am home, like during COVID, I'm fine because I have this fancy chair yeah. and I know how to manage my pain, but when I have to travel, it's really bad. It's hard. Um, and I've done cortisone shots and they don't work. And so it's a, it's a challenge. Um, but that doctor, Oh, that doctor, I've had a couple other experiences too. You know, I used to travel a lot and I had, parasites at one time and I had GI problems. I had to see three GI specialists because I lived in a rural area and they didn't know to look for certain special things. Um, you know, it's just, I think that at the end of the day, my advice would be to again, trust yourself and as hard as it can be, just don't give up. Um, you know, it's cause it can, uh, it can, it can be a full-time job. 
And, you know, then when you put all these other things on top of it, like we've already discussed, you know, the social determinants, the transportation and all of these other things, it can feel just unbelievably overwhelming, but your health matters, you matter and, um, leave doctors that don't talk to you and talk to your spouse. <laughs> <laughs> like you're not there. Yeah. Um, and also dismiss you, you know, like being told when you have back pain and you're at a specialist for that back pain, that 90% of people have back pain is not helpful. It's very dismissive. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, so yeah, that's, that, that would probably be my, my primary example. Yeah. I like that. Cause I was listening and I'm like, okay, well, let me think, let me hear what tips that she gave us that she's able to apply in her real life situation. Yes. And I, I heard a few. So when you felt like he wasn't speaking directly at you, it sounds like you spoke up and said, well, yes, please, please talk me. to me. Yes. <laughs> yes. It doesn't sound like you bought the book. Um, no. <laughs> And Although I, I still did get the complimentary handouts with the five, the five steps. So, <laughs> and you did decide, you know what, we're not a match here. I'm going to go. Yeah. Somewhere thank else. you for, thank you for getting me an MRI, but bye. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Do not waste your time going back to doctors that you don't feel listened to you. Like just don't, um, Again, I know I this every time I say something like that in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, insurance coverage. And if I live in a rural area, yeah. um, so do your best to not go back to doctors that don't listen. Um, but if you have to, which is very real situation for a lot of people, um, keep in mind again, you know, be prepared because the more prepared you are, the more confident you feel in those situations. And it, this is rare that I would say this, but I'm just talking to my own experience here. Maybe next time I don't take my husband, maybe I take a girlfriend or, you know, if, if obviously he's a sexist person. So if, you know, he's going to address my husband, then maybe I take a friend and maybe he'll still be sexist, but at least I don't have to worry about him not addressing me as the patient. So those would be some tips I would offer if, if there isn't an option for you. I like that. Creative workarounds. Yes. <laughs> Always here for that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Christy, you have a course coming up. Can you tell us about your course, please? Yes. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> so this course is like, it's like my baby because it combines the things I am most passionate about in my life. Um, public health, social justice, and history. And I know that sounds really odd, but my undergraduate degree is actually in history. And I, when I was getting my undergrad, I minored in Holocaust and genocide studies, which sounds dreary, but it actually led me into um, really studying more about human rights, which eventually led me to public health interestingly enough. Um, I did an internship at Human Rights Watch and my project there was to research human rights abuses in South Africa around HIV and AIDS. So interestingly, history actually eventually put me in this field that I'm so passionate about now. 
So the course is called, I know, Christy, you're rambling. The course is called <laughs> the history. <Background>. I know <laughs> the history of health disparities and current impacts. And what I do through the course, there are three primary modules. One, I look at the history of racism and current impacts. So I do talk a little bit about COVID, the current impacts that we're seeing there. Also maternal infant health. Um, but I end with solutions. Like how do we overcome these problems? So it's not just here. I'm going to talk about all of these unethical, um, you know, experiments that happened. I, I actually talk about solutions. I also talk about how those, the historic perspective influences what we see in public health today. Um, the second module is really focused on the history of hysteria and how that continues to impact my experience in the doctor's office when the doctor doesn't trust what I'm saying, or he doesn't trust my pain because I'm hysterical or a hypochondriac, um, and how that continues to impact our health. And then the third module is really about the, the research gap. And there's a history to that as well. Um, so, you know, really looking at why marginalized folks and women specifically were left out of clinical trials for so long, the impact that that currently has, and again, solutions to that. So those are the three parts. Um, and I have a little bit of a, you know, the early bird has ended, but I do have a coupon for your listeners. Oh. Um, registration closes on the 28th. So there's there's still time for you guys, for everybody to go out and, and register. Um, there, it's, so it's a $5 coupon. And if you just go to register, uh, just put good health mm -hmm. in the code, in the coupon code, and you get $5 off. Well, thanks. That's very so, generous of you. Of course. I love it. And I... <laughs> I'm also offering credit so you can get Ches credit for it. Um, and in the future, I'm hoping to expand that to um, social workers and, and build upon it. But for now, if you need Ches or CPH credits, you can get that um, at no additional charge. So Here comes my marketing at no additional charge. <laughs> Act now. <laughs> get it now. <laughs> so... <laughs> How long is the course and who is the course for? So you talk about chess credits. And so we know that's for like health educators, but can a person in the street take it? Uh, so actually, I love this question. So prime, it's primarily for healthcare professionals, um, community health workers. I've had a few doctors sign up, which is Yay. so exciting to me. I told you there are a lot of awesome doctors out there. Um, I've had quite a few doctors sign up, uh, public health professionals, researchers. Um, the other community that I'm targeting is are nonprofit professionals um, who work in a health nonprofit. Um, I do a lot of work uh, with education and training and, you know, people who work for nonprofit organizations do a lot of work around training and education and planning of events. So understanding this context is really important. Um, I have had a couple of people, friends who are really interested in the topic itself. 
Absolutely. You can take it. It's, I think anyone who's really interested in history and, and how that history impacts, you know, continues to impact our lives. It it would be, yeah, interesting um, for them. So I'm a nerd when it comes to this kind of stuff. So I would probably like, if I wasn't in public health, I would be like, Ooh, that sounds really cool. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so yeah, it, it's not like, it's not too heavy in public health, um, jargon. And how long is the course? Oh yeah. It's, uh, it's good. It's just over an hour. Oh, that's very doable. (laughs) Yes. And it's broken down into modules. So module one, um, the racism, um, the history of racism module is the longest, um, because there's so much to talk about. Um, (laughs) I wish, wish it could be shorter. Um, but that's a great thing too, is that so the racism is the longest module, but the other two, you could go in for 20 minutes during your lunch break and watch part of it and then go back. That is one of the, you know, the benefits of this course being online. You can just watch it as, as yeah. when you have the time. Yeah. But your own pace. Exactly. Well, I'm signed up and I can't I know, I'm so take it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I love you, Nikita. I feel like we just have so much in common. Anyway, we really do. (laughs) So I'm excited that you're taking the course and I can't wait to hear what you think. Me too. Any closing thoughts, Christy, as we come to the end of this? Um, I just, you know, I, I, I feel like I wanted to start with this, but I didn't say it, but I love that you and I have such common goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet I think that sometimes people think that when we have common goals, it's like a competition, but it's just not like, there's so much work to be done. And I feel like you and I are becoming friends and I just, I enjoy every time, you know, we, we, we chat or you're in the book club or now, you know, it's just such a you know, it, we're just, I, I, we're doing important work and it's really nice that we can support one another. And I just appreciate that. So. Thank you. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. There is so much, There's so much done. work to be done. <laughs> and but, we need these messages coming yeah. from ev- everywhere. I am the co-host of a podcast called flow. We talk all about periods and really extreme periods. So, you know, people who, as we've talked about already a little bit, you know, who have been misdiagnosed, um, not trusted. And this happens so frequently with women who have extreme periods. So we talk a lot about advocating for ourselves. We talk a lot about um, what is a normal period. The last episode was what is an abnormal period. And then the next episode is we're going to talk about um, what is disordered. And it's interesting because they're, they are different things. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that, but if you listen in, you can really relate and then you can take that information to your doctor and say, you know, I heard this on a podcast. And, um, so we're, yeah, we're digging deep into some really tough topics, PMDD, endometriosis, um, fibroids. So all of it's going to be covered. And 
Before we go, my very last question has nothing to do with health per se, but what tea were you drinking at the Good Health Cafe today? Oh, I was drinking, so Yogi tea. Okay. And my little saying on the back is, I love this. So it says, live by your inner knowledge and strength. I thought that was very appropriate. I think so. So what tea are you drinking? I am drinking, it's called The Buzz, and it's by David's Tea. I don't know if you guys have David's Tea, but, you know, it's similar to Tivana. It's a loose leaf tea. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So The Buzz, and this has a mixture of apple pieces and ginkgo. I think the ginkgo is is where The Buzz comes from. So nice. Warm tea and a candle, and you're, like, good to go. Oh, so true. So true. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, thank you for coming to the Good Health Cafe, Christy. It was a pleasure thank having you. you. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate everything you do. So thanks, Nikita. As you can tell, Christy and I enjoyed our discussion, and I hope you did too. The links to follow her work and to learn more about the course are all included in the episode notes. Don't forget to use the coupon code for a discount. Enrollment closes February 28th. Did you know that the Good Health Cafe also has a blog? Subscribe to our mailing list on thegoodhealthcafe.com to get updates when new blogs or episodes are posted. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram too. See you in the cafe next time. Bye.